Good morning, good afternoon, Richmond. It's 12 noon and I'm AWOD. This is the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM here on a Misery Monday broadcasting live from Capital Ale House here in Innsbruck. You can join me here every Monday throughout the NFL season recapping college football. How about those awesome games in championship week? Now the college football playoffs are set with four teams. Uh, we'll break that down on the show today. Recap the commander's loss and get you set for Monday night football. Should be a decent game tonight between eight and three Jacksonville Jaguars and the five and six Cincinnati Bengals. But you guys know how we like to start the show here on a misery Monday by explaining how I feel after watching the commander's loss to the Miami Dolphins 45 to 15. And how do I feel? I feel pissed off. Not just because we lost the game. Right? We knew the team was going to lose. It's just that I like watching my team win. That's what I like to do on Sundays. And whether or not we're 4-8 and eight or 8-4 eight and four or 7-6 and six or in the hunt or at the bottom, I like to watch my team win. And knowing going into a game that we're going to lose is depressing. And I knew that we weren't even going to be able to keep it close. That's why I made the bet with Michael Phillips. Oh, will the defense improve under Ron Rivera? Held to the no. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't inspire anybody. And what's even more disappointing is that the offense seems to get worse. And now everybody's questioning Terry McLaurin, right? We heard it earlier this season. This season. Is he scary Terry or is he mid-McLaurin? Well, he was held catchless with just three targets. And the commanders lost to the Minnesota, uh, the Miami Dolphins, as Curtis Samuel led the way. Four receptions for 65 yards, no receiver had more than 65 yards catching we're able to run the ball for 138 yards on 4.9 yards a carry promises that just could not throw and Sam Howell had one of his worst days as a commander starting quarterback 12 of 23 127 yards no touchdown passes and an interception he's now had a pick six in three straight games a miserable quarterback rating of 19.6 I'm starting to wonder if he is the guy I'm starting to wonder what kind of difference Eric Bieniemy can make as the offensive coordinator if you give him enough pieces around him. If you give him an offensive line, is he going to be an elite offense coordinator? Are we going to be a team that just scores 15 points a game? That was the only thing that I had my eye on, right? Was We knew the Dolphins were going to put up 40. That was obvious. They scored 70 against the Denver Broncos. But could Washington put up 15, 20, 30? No. Turns out they could only put up 15 points throughout the entire game, and got lucky to get so, uh, if we want to be honest. I mean, the, the Dolphins scored 45, in my opinion, watching this game. They could have had 60. Uh, I think they obviously took the uh, foot off the pedal a little bit, played Mike White in the fourth quarter. But Tua, 18 of 24, an unbelievable completion percentage there. 280 yards, two touchdowns, um, and it was – their ability to throw the ball, but also the ability to run. We could not stop Moster or Devon Achan as the two combined for 116 yards rushing against the Washington Commanders. But Tyreek Hill is the story of the game as Hill has two touchdowns and the Dolphins are now 9-3 and for the first time since 2001. He had that 78-yard touchdown pass that was just kind of disrespectful. Right, That was Washington saying, oh yeah, we're going to put Quan Martin, the rookie safety, on Tyreek Hill on a big third down. That was kind of the most frustrating thing for me watching this game, was that the commander's defense wasn't bad on first and second round. 
but they were awful on third down. And it's been the issue all season long. They're just so bad on third down, giving up explosive play after explosive play. Dolphins finished the game 7 of 13, making more than 50% of their third down conversions and had 20 first downs to just 11 for Washington. And you're thinking, oh, well, Washington probably never had the ball. No, for most of the game, they were winning time of possession and finished the game with 27 minutes you know, to 32 for Miami. So it was decent in the time of possession. It's just we did nothing with the ball where they had explosive play after explosive play. We were struggling to get eight yards on, on first, second, or third down. They were getting 15 to 40 every single time they threw the ball. And uh, that was the most frustrating thing for me is that I, I knew we were going to lose, but I thought we could keep it close. And it just was a blowout after the first quarter down 17 nothing, and then down 31 to 7 at the half as the Commanders lose to the Dolphins 45 to 15. If you want to chime in, phone lines are open. It's 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. We'll get to the good, the bad, and the ugly. As the good, I think the only good you can point to was Curtis Samuel had a, a decent game. Four catches for 65 yards, the one 33-yard bomb. And uh, Looking at uh, the transcription of reporters speaking with Dolphins players after the game, they gave Samuel credit. They said Samuel's good. Samuel can get open. The problem was Jahan Dotson. Cole Turner, Terry McLaurin, John Bates, Antonio Gibson all just failed to get open as Sam Howell has looked like he's regressed over the last few weeks. And part of that is because the defense is giving up more and more points, and so he's having to force it into smaller windows because he knows, hey, 20 points isn't going to win it, 30 points isn't going to win it, I'm going to need to be in a shootout and get up to 45. But, uh, yeah, not much good from that game. We get to the bad. Uh, I think the bad has to be... The ability for the Dolphins to run the ball with Achan and Mostert. They went over 123 yards as a team, and that was a 4.0 average. I mean, they just – you get four four yards on first down, you're never going to get a stop all game long. And really, I, I truly believe the Dolphins could have put up 60 on the Commanders if they kept the foot on the pedal. Uh, luckily, though, Coach McDaniel in Miami has some respect for Ron Rivera and – that's where we get to the ugly. Ron Rivera calling the defensive plays. Or should we say handing off duties to someone else because he doesn't have the stones to do it himself. That's what Ron Rivera wants to do is to delegate, put other people in charge, and sit there with his arms folded across his chest doing nothing. Right? I was excited that Ron was going to be calling plays here because I thought it would force him to do something. Well, instead, he just threw that on a, a young uh, defensive coach who's never had any experience doing that before. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, no, my, my job in here in Washington is done. I'm going to get fired. Why don't you use this opportunity to see how bad you can be as a defensive coordinator? But the real ugly had to have been just Tyreek Hill. I mean, just wide open whenever he wanted to get open. In the middle of the field, burning us deep, burning us short. Five receptions, 157 yards. Every time he caught the ball, it was at least 30 yards through the air. Just explosive play after explosive play. Waddle had a few uh, explosive plays. Dropped one where he could have uh, gotten into the end zone on another pass from Tua Tagovailoa as the Commanders just get the doors knocked off them. And it's not even close from start to finish, losing to the Dolphins 45-15. to If you want to chime in, 833-804-0910. I really think the, most, the thing that I'm most frustrated by is the fact that we weren't even in this game from start to finish. We just had no shot. And I, I, I guess coming into it, you know, I didn't pick Washington to win. 
I picked the final score to be something like 36-23. to 23. But they scored more than I predicted, and we scored less than I predicted. And that's what it felt like watching this game. It's just so frustrating to see Washington fail and Miami succeed. And I get it. You know, they're a really good football team. But the gap has widened between Washington and the rest of these good football teams in the NFL over the last four years of the Rivera era, where there were times where we were beating the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. We were beating the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. Well, now we're 4-9, and nine, we're last place in the NFC East, and we're not even coming close to defeating any teams, and I don't know if this team wins another game for the rest of the season. Like, really, you look at this schedule, the Rams are playing some good football right now. Why is Washington going to go to L.A. and compete with them? I don't think we have a shot to do that. They're playing for a playoff spot. And then after that, it just keeps going, right? I mean, this schedule, we talked about it all off season. It gets really difficult the last four weeks of the season, and I just don't see Washington getting another win before it's all said and done. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. If you want to chime in, it's 833-804-0910. That's 833-804-0910. Broadcasting live from Capital Alehouse here in Innsbruck. Come on by, grab a beer, and check out the show. Take an extended munch break on a Monday. You deserve it. Welcome back. What up, what up, what up? It's AWOD here on a Monday, December 4th, broadcasting live from Capital Ale House here in Innsbruck. Come on by and join me every Monday live and local from 12 to 3 p.m. Grab a beer, grab a burger, maybe the wings, take an extended lunch break here on a Monday. You deserve it, and it is a misery Monday. We've got the Richmond Commander. Phone lines are open. Your chance to be the quarterback or GM of this segment every day at 1 p.m. Give you AWOD's 10 takeaways from the loss to the Miami Dolphins. Mark Schofield will join us at 1.30. Then special guest J.P. Flame. J.P. from the Sports Junkies will be joining the program today at 2 p.m. But joining us right now from the studios is Michael Phillips for a little crosstalk. What's going on, MP? Yes, sir. Uh, it, you got me? Yeah, you, we do. I, I don't know why my headphones quit working there. I'll, I, I, that's on my end, though. I got it. I <laughs> uh, feel... Feeling good. Um, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure you'll get to this. I don't know if you saw. You know, we do post game interviews in the locker room after the game was up up in Landover yesterday. The fire alarm went off uh, while everybody was like changing and showering and doing interviews. Uh, just just a full on uh, felt like a Dan Snyder day. Yeah. So the fire alarm went off today. Last week during the game, what was the deal? No, there no was hot no water. hot water. No hot water. Right. So it's just getting worse. <laughs> I mean, what's next? Right. Is there going to be a flood? It, we're we're lucky that there's no game for for three weeks at FedEx Field, but uh, we got we got two more home games to survive, and then I really like I'm excited for February. I'm legit excited to find out who the new coach is, find out who the new GM is, get excited about some of these draft prospects. But it's pretty bleak between here and there. I'm not gonna lie. Well, you're excited. I'm really not, and that's what I wanted to ask you here on a little crosstalk on the fan. If I could just have your attention. It's Crosstalk with Adam Epstein and Michael Phillips on The Fan. It's like that 190s movie that everybody loved. What's the name of that movie? It's not Crosstalk, but it sounds like Crosstalk. It's Crosstalk on The Fan. Oh, Face Off with Travolta and Nick Cage. But this is Crosstalk. All right, Michael, we were both on the same page here at the beginning of this season that, hey, this is not the year but next year could be the year with all the money in cap room and the ownership ready to take charge um, and make them a contender.
But the reason I'm not excited about a new GM and a new coach and a, the new direction is after the, seeing this season and the talent that we have on the roster, I feel like we're three, four years away from being a contender. Well, it's the NFL. You're never three to four years away. But I, I agree with you on your assessment. I, I, next year is not the year, right? Next year is a return to nine and eight next year is a return to being a respectable average NFL team look at what the Eagles did though the Eagles made a Super Bowl tore the whole thing down built the whole thing back up in about three years it's doable and with that kind of space now a lot of it depends on Sam Howell if Sam Howell is the guy or not because if he's not um, and you know they, they could have a plan in place or get somebody in for that next season but you know, if you don't have a quarterback, it's very hard to be a consistent contender in the NFL. Um, so a lot's going to ride on him being ready to take that next step forward, be that guy. No, you're right, but I'm not even that confident right now that he's the guy to build around, right? Are we going to draft two offensive linemen, a wide receiver, and then expect him to lead this offense to top 10? I mean, I still have major questions about Sam Howell. Uh, everyone kind of anointed him the guy five or six weeks ago, but the last few weeks it, he's regressed. Yeah, you know, he did so well at early in the season, he was getting sacked a lot. And that was his fault, right? Like, he was not directing the line. He was not getting the ball out quickly enough. And then you mentioned that stretch five or six weeks ago where Sam Howell all of a sudden gets the ball out quickly, makes good reads, shuffles the line into the right places. And you say, okay, wow, that's the learning. That's the growth we want to see from a quarterback. That's really impressive uh, to, to see that, uh, to watch him develop and grow in real time. But then we've got a second regression now of, look, teams are just overpowering this offensive line. This is what I wrote in the Washington Times this morning in my article for them. Is Sam Howell might be good. Sam Howell might be bad. Who the heck knows? How could you know with this team? This team is so bad. And by the way, I don't know that, that Sam Howell is necessarily like, winning himself any favors here but Eric Bieniemy is really not it's been a, I felt really good about him about five weeks ago uh, I'm certainly sliding backwards on the Eric Bieniemy scale too and there's some tough defenses coming up ahead this isn't great Adam no you're right let's check in on the bet that has got uh, reporters around the country <laughs> talking that is will the defense improve under Ron Rivera and will Michael Phillips be doing 50 push-ups or myself? You know, watching that game, I decided, you know what, I'm going to get up and do some push-ups here. By the time I finished 10 push-ups, the commanders were down 17 to nothing. I, I have no clue why that game would have motivated you to do any push-ups in any way. Uh, I think if, if I were you, that, that game would have motivated me to not do any push-ups and feel entirely comfortable that my Odyssey, Odyssey colleague, colleague is going to be on the floor doing 50 push-ups very soon. That was uh, an embarrassing start to the bet. Embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, guys were open all over the field. Um, I mean, it was the defense actually was worse than Jack Del Rio in charge, right? I mean, we can can we both confidently say that, right? As bad as Jack was, never blitzing, he didn't have guys that were butt naked, wide open, thirty yards down the field. Yeah, I'm I'm not prepared to say like I mean, it was I, that bad. I, I'm not prepared to say that Jack Del Rio couldn't have pulled that off. I think Jack Del Rio could have given up a 45 spot to the Dolphins. I will certainly concede your point, though. Uh, it, it was really, really bad. I mean, leaving Quan Martin one-on-one -on -one against Tyreek Hill, 
one of the best receivers in football. Very reminiscent, by the way. Jack Del Rio pulled that off, left Emmanuel Forbes one-on-one with A.J. Brown against Philly. Same kind of situation. I think they're both equally capable of screwing this thing up. Um, you got you got to go back to the drawing board on everything after this. Ask yourself just what you're doing. And you just see the frustration. By the way, no pass rush either. No pressure up front. No pass rush coming in on these guys. Allen, Payne, just unheard from the entire day. And I know Tua gets the ball out quick, but those guys just didn't have an impact in yesterday's game at all. No, I'm once again asking Ron Rivera to please respect this fan base here and turn to your key card. You're finished. I mean, I get it. Josh Harris fired Jack Del Rio, didn't fire Ron because he didn't want it to become a circus. Well, we've become a charity case here. That's what we are, is that Ron Rivera doesn't have the balls to coach the defense himself. So at the last minute, he hires someone else and hands uh, play-calling duty off to someone else so that they can have you know a little check on their resume. That's what we've become here. We are a charity case organization where our head coach uh, you know, tells everyone he, he beat cancer, good for him, and that's allowed him to take control of this fan base for four years and just destroy us with terrible coaching. And so that, I'm, I'm just asking Ron to, to please quit here over the bye week. You're you're doing nothing in charge of this team, and it's driving the fan base crazy. And I just can't I can't deal with it for the rest of the season. I, I, I what am I supposed to do here? Did you see Jay Gruden taking his victory lap yesterday? Oh, yeah. You know you know things are bad when Jay Gruden's out there taking victory laps and stunting on you. Um, Tyree Kill, just another week, right? Like you got the turkey leg celebration in Dallas. Just another week where the other team spent all week planning out a great celebration because they know they'd get to use it. And honestly, if, if I were to find flaw with Tyree Kill's game yesterday, Adam, he should have planned more celebrations, anticipating more touchdowns. They had that right. great roller coaster celebration after the first one. I thought it was kind of pedestrian. And after that, I think they were phoning in the celebrations by the third quarter. You got to stay consistent. If you want to win these MVPs, if you want to be on Sports Center, stay consistent with your celebration game. You're playing the Commanders. Come ready with more than two good celebrations. Yeah, and that's what it's like playing against this organization right now. You can smoke and joke on us, score 45 points easily, and uh, uh, that's the thing. And that's what I opened with So that's so frustrating is I just can't watch my team lose every Sunday. It drives me crazy. I get it. Oh, they're getting a better draft pick. Well, can we at least lose by a field goal? Can we have something positive? Michael, were there any positives from that game? Is there any game ball that you'd hand out? I mean, so Sam Howell doesn't get a game ball for the entire performance, Adam, obviously. But there were plays that were really good. Uh, The sidearm throw to Curtis Samuel was an absolute dime on the move. He was really good off schedule yesterday, running into the end zone on that touchdown run. He had a handful of plays where like, dang, that's NFL good right there. Uh, you know, I, I think he's probably he's probably floating to the top of the, Curtis Samuel. Maybe uh, Curtis Samuel's had a good run recently. Uh, he's had some, he's put together some very good games. Uh, he know, he knows contract times coming up. Uh, but but yeah, that that's a guy who's played really well recently. Um, on defense, I'm I'm struggling. I'm struggling to give you a name. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be able to pull it off. Uh, special teams. Uh, Sly missed the field goal. The snap was high from Cheese. Uh, Tress didn't have a great punt. Could have pinned him deep. Got him on the 14. Uh, nobody on special teams. Let's go Curtis Samuel. Uh, you know, my, my my old standby is B-Rob, but he got hurt at halftime. Hamstring injury. We didn't see him in the second half. Uh, I'm going Curtis Samuel with a portion of a game ball to Sam Howell for entertaining me at times. 
Michael, are you where? What's your percentage chance that Ron Rivera is head coach of this team by December seventeenth when they face off against the Rams? Hundred percent. Ron Rivera is not going anywhere. He's not getting fired into the bye week. Uh, he's not getting fired out of the bye week. I, my new theory um, on what's going to happen is that they will announce before the end of the season that he will leave after the season. Um, <laughs> like, like we're going to go into the last game without like. When will they fire Ron Rivera? But it'll be like, here is Ron Rivera's last game. And um, I just think there's enough, like, national juice on Ron that, like, that morning on TV, it'll be like the the Ron Rivera send-off, you know, uh, yeah, playing Green Day. I hope you had the time of your life. You know, nobody ever has the time of their life here. But he can, he can run off to whatever he's doing next, uh, enjoy his retirement, enjoy being on Carolina Panthers radio, uh, you know, whatever's next, being a position coach, whatever he wants to do. Um, but just some kind of announcement from Josh Harris, like, hey, don't come to this last game and boo for Ron to get fired. We've already done it. It's handled. Uh, just, uh, just, just come watch football and uh, get ready for next year. See, that's why I'm, I'm on Team Jay Gruden with this. Take your shots on social media, Jay, because <laughs> nobody was ever going to be a mouthpiece for you like they are for Ron Rivera with Ian Rappaport, Adam Schefter. I mean, all these reports come out about how hard Ron works every week and, and gets the boys fired up just for them to have a stinker week after week. And then you're right. There's going to be some kind of puff piece that comes out about how Ron changed the culture in Washington, moved them past the Dan Snyder era, and um, he's moving on to greener pastures and all this BS when really he failed in Washington, he failed in Carolina, and Cam Newton's the only reason that he's got any respect on his name. It's the truth. I mean, his Carolina record for, for the number of seasons he was there is really not all that impressive, obviously. You look back on it in retrospect, and look, the game has passed him by. I mean, just, just look at what Mike McDaniel's doing. Look at what the Eagles are doing. Look at what, the, look at what Mike McCarthy's doing with the Cowboys. Nobody's – I'm not going to stand on a table for Mike McCarthy here. I don't like Mike McCarthy. I don't think he's a good coach. He's got a more progressive system installed right now. Than, than these guys do. I think that's that's become very apparent to everybody. Uh, I don't. I mean, the challenge isn't going to be the bye week. Like the players are all going to disappear for the bye week. The challenge is going to be coming back from the bye week, Adam. How do you motivate yourself to play four of these when you know it's all lost? Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's Michael Phillips, MP on the mic Monday through Friday from ten to twelve noon. I'm Adam Epstein. This is Wide Radio on the fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Coming into this season, we all thought it's a lame duck season for head coach Ron Rivera, but at least the roster is talented, right? We've got two great edge rushers. We've got two great defensive tackles. We've got a a, a linebacker in Jamin Davis that's really coming on strong. We've got a couple corners that we believe in, and we drafted another, and a couple of safeties that we believe can be all pro, including Cam Curl. On the offensive side of the ball, we knew the offensive line would struggle, but we figured, oh, yeah, we've got three, not one, not two, three solid wide receivers and a tight end in Logan Paulson, Logan Thomas that can make plays. Well, here we are now. 13 weeks into this season, the Commanders are now 4-9, and nine, and I'm not sure that we have enough talent on the roster to completely turn it around in just one year. It might be a two- or a three-year rebuilding process now with the new owner, Josh Harris. Joining me right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, he covers the Commanders for Sports Illustrated, David Harrison. What's going on, David? Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing good. So let's start right there with what I was talking about. I mean, does this team have enough talent 
to be able to turn it around next season and win eight or nine games. Yeah, I think I think winning eight or nine games is certainly you know something that the roster is, is capable of doing, and uh, you know I think that at the, at the end of the day, part of it is obviously coaching, uh, part of it is the message, but also part of it is the players buying into the message, and you know you, you kind of look at some of the some of the things that have happened uh, over the course of the season, specifically with some of the deep passes and just guys, uh, you know, not not really doing, I guess, you know, kind of what the coaches are telling us after these games what they're being told to do, you know, specifically yesterday, uh, Ron, you know, Ron did a really good job of kind of breaking down that first touchdown pass to Tyreek Hill. Uh, I mentioned that, you know, they were supposed to have top coverage over Ty and, and all that stuff and it just didn't happen. And then I asked them as a follow-up later on, you know, overall for the entirety of the game, what was the plan? And, you know, something I think that we were all talking about going into this game is you have to keep somebody on top of Tyreek Hill. And that's the first thing uh, that Ron said and, and just, it didn't happen. And, you know, going through and, watching the broadcast again, going through and watching some of the All-22 that I've gotten to break down so far. And, and you just consistently see that the, that the guy that you would, you know, ideally without being in the headset, the guy that you would see in a formation that makes the most sense to uh, keep top coverage on a guy is just not getting there, not getting it done. And it's, you know, so there there's a disconnect between the message and the execution. And typically it just means that the, the players aren't trusting uh, what the message is being delivered, and that's that's where you come to a to a crossroads where you say there's got to be a change, um, and you know it's it's a lot it's a lot harder to replace a, a roster full of players with cap penalties and and all these other things than it is to replace a coaching staff. No, I, I totally agree with you, and uh, you know I'm just upset that Josh Harris is going to wait till the end of the season. Give me a few reasons why he would not want to pull the trigger right now and just hey give the fan base something to look forward to next week. Hey, at least Ron Rivera is not coaching the plays. Well, part of it is, you know, the, 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 the impression of how good of a job is this, you know, like there's, there's always this kind of talk during the off season of, you know, there's only 32 jobs and there's only, you know, five or six, usually most off seasons at the most that are really available. So right. if you want to be a head coach in the NFL, you kind of don't have a choice. You just got to kind of take the job uh, that you get offered. But at the same time, you know, we actually have seen coordinators in the past, uh, interview for jobs and either, you know, withdraw from, from consideration or, or opt to not accept an offer. Uh, you know, the most recent one that I can think of uh, is Byron Lethwich was offered or at least was in talks to be offered the job in Jacksonville, but he didn't really like, you know, kind of the strings that were attached to his being the head coach, so he decided to decline. Now, obviously, that didn't really work out for him. He's out of the NFL at this point. But, yeah. you know, I think really what it boils down to is there are jobs that people who don't have a choice have to take, and then there are jobs that guys that have choices – want to take and I think if you're Josh Harris and this ownership group you want to make Washington a position that other coaches want and one way to do that is to show them that at the end of the day you're going to get a fair shake and even if you know the decision that you know even if it ends uh poorly because I mean let's be honest most most coaching relationships end in firing like there's there's very there's very few you know when you look at the, the history of the NFL to end in and just a guy walking out you know on his own terms so for the most part, most of those relationships end with a firing, but we're at least going to let you run out the season and you're not going to be, you know, run out in the middle of it the way that, say, Frank Wright was in Carolina because that's a job that you look at now where, you know, even with a young, you know, suit, you know potential star quarterback and a, and a stud like Brian Burns uh, with the draft capital situation and now being run out of town 11 games in, that's basically a job where you're looking at hiring a head coach that really doesn't have another choice, and that's not what you want if you're Josh Harris. No, no, it's a great point. I, I understand that completely. Uh, what's your eval of Sam Howell at now after another disappointing performance? 
Uh, you know, I think he's a young quarterback who's really trying to lift his team. You know what I mean? And and, and obviously, uh, in, in some aspects, that can cause a problem. Um, but ultimately, that's kind of the, the mentality you want in a young quarterback. You definitely don't want a guy who's going, you know, woe is me and, and you know, the season's not going well, so let's just get, you know, get to the end of it healthy. Uh, you see, you know, like on that touchdown run, for example, I mean, that's not a play that he makes and you look at it and say, okay, Washington's right back in this thing. You know, the comeback is on and the upset is, it's still possible and all those things, but it shows that he's, he's going to fight to the, to the last second. And, and right now that's really what you want. You know, three games uh, in a row, the pick six obviously uh, isn't great. I think that this latest pick six is less about him pressing and more about, uh, you know, uh, executing that play maybe a little bit better down the road, but also uh, I mean, you got to give credit to Van Kinkle for making a really, you know, just really smart football play. Uh, and doing things the right way. So there's a combination of things there. But the pick sixes against Dallas, against New York, I think that's, those are both situations where he's just trying to make something happen because he knows, you know, you got a defense giving up this many points, this many weeks in the season. He, he's got he's to find a way to get this offense running. Um, and I think he's pressing a little bit, and I think that's actually kind of hurting them a little bit. Uh, there's an old adage of, you know, don't try, just do it. I know uh, uh, Yoda of Star Wars had, a, had kind of a different way of saying it, but it really just it, it rings true. You know what I mean? If you go out there trying to do all of these things, you typically get in your own way. Um, and, you know, yeah. eventually Sam will return to uh, just playing ball. It might take a, a season reset and starting back at 0-0. Zero and zero. Uh, But at the end of the day, everything that he's doing, kind of the EB's points in, during that season is, you know, they're all lessons and they're all growing experiences for Sam. David Harrison with us here on the Hadid Mercer Road Cleaning Hotline. Follow him on social media. Read his work, dharrison82. I'm sure you saw the Jonathan Allen comments. I don't want to. I do want to win. I'm not in the business of going through another rebuild. Is there a chance the Commanders yeah. move their star defensive tackle in the offseason? I mean, you, you know, there's always a chance, you know, and, and if John wants out, he's, he's, he's the type of player uh, that I think, you know, if he wants out at the end of the season – you know, I think you you do what you can to kind of kind of make that happen if if he really wants out because he's not a guy that you know if he's not willing to kind of work through this with the organization then you know you just you just need to cut that cut that loose and and, and get what you can and, and you know wish him well and do the thank you messages uh, and all that stuff before it becomes just a, a really uh, unhappy situation. But you know it, that's that's kind of where it boils down to is like is this really going to turn into a rebuild or is the intent uh, you know, to come in and make the talent, you know, and elevate the talent uh, that's already on the on the roster, and and that's really where this this organization's got to have you know a, a truthful lens on themselves. Every owner, every management group is going to want to come in and say, no, we want to be competitive every single every single season. But you know, we've seen a lot of franchises over the over the course of history try to you know just cling to this this idea of being competitive, and what they really do is stick themselves. Uh, and, and, and just a middle ground of NFL misery where they're never really good, but they're never so bad that they can go get that blue chip guy that changes the franchise. And, you know, I think that's really what John Allen is talking about is that we're not, you know, if we're not seriously, realistically, you know, one or two player changes, a coaching staff change away uh, from, from being consistent postseason contenders, then I want to go somewhere where that is the, the role. And, you know, if they can move John to a, to a contender, you know, like, San Francisco or, or Kansas City or something like that, and then get the capital uh, in return to help them become that three years down the road, then that's how both sides win. Great stuff, David. I appreciate you taking the time, man. Yes, sir. I appreciate you. Yep. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. 
Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Broadcasting live from Capitol Ale House here in Innsbruck, as you can join me here every Monday throughout the entire football season, recapping college football action, the NFL Sunday slate, and getting you set up for Monday night football. Check out Capitol Ale House here for all the big sporting events because they lo- they own the late night. Take advantage of the late night menu, including half-off appetizers and more here at Capital Ale. And from the production room is Stubb running the ones and twos. Stubb, how was your weekend? Good. I went out a ton. This was a very busy weekend for me. <laughs> really? Where'd you hit? Uh, I hit River City Roll, which you know because okay. we almost ran into each other. I hit Buddies. I hit uh, New York Deli, and I hit Home Sweet Home. Oh, wow. Oh, did you try the wings at Home Sweet Home? I did not. It was it was pretty late by the time I was there, so I just yeah. got like a whiskey shot, and that was it. So I worked the VCU game on Friday. That was disappointing. We'll get to that later on in the show as Norfolk State comes into the Seagull Center and defeats the Rams by three. But I really enjoyed watching all of the college football action on Saturday. I mean, there were a ton of really good games, including that Alabama-Georgia thriller. Stubb, did you watch any of the college football championship weekend? Yeah, I caught some of that uh, Alabama-Georgia game because uh, it was playing uh, when I was getting food at River City Roll. It was That was an exciting game. Yeah, I am shocked that Georgia was left out of the college football playoffs as the committee has voted. Number one, Michigan, 13-0. Number two, Washington, 13-0. Those two were the locks, right? You go undefeated, you win your championship, you're in. Well, Florida State went undefeated and won their championship. And in the first time in college football playoff history, an undefeated Power 5 champion failed to finish in the top four. Texas wins the Big 12, only one loss on the season, and they beat Alabama, gets in at three. And Alabama, after the win against Georgia in the SEC championship and a one-loss Alabama squad, gets in as the fourth-ranked team. And a lot of people were upset about this. I was not. I feel like this is going to lead to some really good football in the college football playoffs. I get it. Florida State representing the ACC had a tremendous season, but they lost their quarterback, Jordan Travis. And not only that, they're in the ACC, right? And as much as I like the ACC because of UVA and Virginia Tech, we all know the SEC is the king of college football. And that's why I thought that the best four would have been Michigan, Washington, Georgia, and Alabama. Georgia was number one all year long. They're coming off of multiple national championships, and you just leave them out because they lose a thriller by three to Alabama. Um, I get it. They wanted that game to mean something, just like last week, Michigan, Ohio State. I I disagree. Um, I I think if we're just coming off talking about who's the most talented college football teams this year, like I said, number one and two are Michigan and Washington. After that, I think it is Texas, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and then comes Florida State, right? In my opinion, even though Florida State was 13-0, and they played an easy ACC schedule, and it's not like they were blowing teams out left and right. In fact, uh, it took a couple close victories for them to stay undefeated, and they don't have their quarterback. And so uh, everybody wants to know, hey, is it the top four teams or is it the top four most deserving teams? Florida State probably one of the four most deserving teams, but the college football committee 
didn't believe that they are one of the most talented teams. Uh, I, I just thought that there was no way you could hold out Texas right after their 12-1, and win the Big 12 championship, and they beat Alabama on the season. I thought there was no way you could hold out Alabama after they have only one loss all season, get to the SEC championship game, and defeat Georgia. And, and so uh, I just feel like they really did not have that much of a decision to make here. You have to put Alabama in there. It's Alabama. It's iconic. It's roll tide. I mean, it's the freaking uh, best college football uh, franchise in the past 20 years. So you had to include them. Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh said Sunday, we're going against the best, speaking of Michigan against Alabama, tradition, two true bloods of football facing off against each other with Michigan facing off against Alabama. And, look, Jordan Travis obviously very upset with the way things uh, turned out. He took to social media to say that he thought he wished he had gotten hurt earlier in the season so that the committee could have seen this FSU team 13-0 is a lot better than just their quarterback. Uh, but I do think it comes down to the strength of the schedule, and that's why the ACC is so screwed, right? In the last few years, Clemson hasn't been as good all right, as they once were. Florida State took a step back. Um, you know, so many other teams in the ACC, like Virginia Tech, were not once uh, what they once were. But the thing is, is that Florida State went undefeated in the ACC, goes undefeated through the season, beats LSU, and it's not enough, which m- makes everybody realize, yeah, the ACC is screwed. If you're in the ACC, you need to find a way to get out and get into the Big 12, the Big 10, or the SEC because those are the football conferences that get respect from the college football playoff committee. The good news is is this is the last year that we will have to deal with just four teams in the college football playoffs. Next year, it will be up to 12, and that would be a ton of fun to watch as there really will be no questioning whether your team deserves to be in it or not when they expand to 12. But here we are with four, and there are a lot of upset teams and fan bases with Michigan, Washington, Alabama, and Texas being the top four vying for this year's college football playoff title. I'm I'm excited for Texas. I, I really am. Uh, that fan base is a ton of fun, led by quarterback Quinn Ever- Ewers, who got hurt last year, came back this year, led the Longhorns to 12-1, and won the Big 12 championship by a lot, right? I think that was a part of it also, is they won their championship by a ton. They looked so good. Texas, in my opinion, looked like the best college football team that played this weekend. I think Michigan second, Washington with a big clutch victory at the end of the game, and then Alabama continuing with the Milrow miracle against Auburn, puts them into the championship game against Georgia, and they just played so well. And that's the thing about Alabama is that, once again, they dominated in the trenches, and that has what has made this program so good for so long. We talk about with Washington, Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen. They've got boys like that every single year. And when they play to their expectations, when they play at the level that Saban can coach them to, there's really no stopping Alabama. They're just so talented. And There was a clip I saw, Stubb. Maybe you can pull it from Nick Saban before the game, just hyping up Alabama, talking about, hey, this is our game. We go out and win our game. We, we're the ones that play in this game every single year, and we're going to prove all the haters wrong. And so they got the win, and the next time you'll see Alabama play will be in the Rose Bowl against number one, Michigan, and then later that night, number two, Washington, hosting number three, Texas, with a shot at the championship 
on the line. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. If you're an upset Florida State fan, I want to hear from you. If you're an upset Georgia Bulldog, I want to hear from you. If you're Ohio State, Oregon, on the outside looking in and you want to chime in on how the committee decided to go with Michigan, Washington, Texas, and Alabama as the top four, give me a call. 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. A lot of people upset that the SEC got a team in there. I'm not at all. I respect the SEC when it comes to college football, and I believe they were deserving. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. 